Welcome to another episode of Bench Talk. I'm your host, Tom Gerrard. Uh, this week, I catch up with Melbourne based illustrator and mural artist Justine McAllister. How are you going? Hey, good. Yeah? Thanks for uh, having me over at your new bar in the city. Oh, no, thank you for coming down, Tom. I, um, uh, I'm a bit of a fan of Bench Talk. I actually watch or listen to your, your podcast while I paint, and I'll often look at my paintings and I'll be able to recall back or that was the Lister episode or that was the Nicole Reed episode. So I, uh, I'm super stoked to be doing an episode oh. with you. Oh, cool. Cool. We've been talking about it for a while. It's good to finally sit down. So you're, uh, you're originally from Ballarat, right? Yeah, born and bred Ballarat girl. And I went back last night to do a, a talk in my old high school. So it was a trip down memory lane a bit over a decade ago now, but that was super nice. Mm. And what was the talk about just your art career? And- yeah, it was to inspire the year 12 students that you can make a living as an artist and to assure their parents there is money in it and it's not as scary as what it's made out to be. Yeah, I think it's good for um, kids to hear that because I, I, I just think back to when I was younger, I never thought you could make a career of it. So I always, you know, since I started painting like all the time when I was about 18 years old, but I always, I never thought that I'd ever be able to make a career of it. So to have someone come in and say, hey, you can actually do it, it's pretty, um, pretty good thing for the school to organise. Oh, absolutely. I know when I was at school, there was nothing like that at all. And I was even discouraged from doing art from a couple of, uh, from a couple of teachers. So, yeah, I think things are a bit more progressive now and the whole creative scene, teachers are showing that there's value in it and uh, students uh, are really taking that on board, which is nice. Yeah. Cool. So, um, so what made you uh, up and leave Ballarat and move to Melbourne? Uh, I think it was a couple of days after I turned 18, I packed my bags and drove down here. I, um, I got into university and studied fine art at BCA and I always knew that I wanted to move to Melbourne just to, for the art scene, for the culture. I was pretty excited to get out and explore new things. Did you find you learned a, a lot to really help your career, like when you were at uni? Honestly, no. <laughs> I, um, I studied fine art, which is probably wasn't the right course for me looking back. I probably should have taken um, a route in the more like design illustration field. I had a lecture with one of my uh, lecturers one day and she told me, she's like, oh, no offense, Justine, but your, your paintings are a bit illustrative, which was like a huge dirty word at uni. And the penny dropped and I was like, maybe I want to do illustration. Maybe this fine art, cutting edge contemporary scene isn't for me. And I remember like I raced home and uh, started taking Photoshop and uh, Illustrator tutorials online and taught myself like the whole Adobe suite just because I was like, yeah, this this really excites me. I think this is the direction I want to go in. So um, like the art history side of things at university were fantastic. I made great connections out of uni, but looking back, I felt uni was I don't know, a little bit stifling for me and you know, you, I, I was 18 as well, like you're like, what, what groundbreaking things do I need to, you know, do and put on the canvas, but uh, I think I found my way, so it's good. Yeah, yeah, because I'm you know, looking at your, your work, it just it doesn't look like you've come from a fine art background at all. No, it doesn't, no, people yeah. are often a little bit shocked at that. Yeah, did you find it hard to um, pick up the programs? No, I, I was just so excited by them. I just had a few sleepless nights and, you know, like, so today I'm going to master the lasso tool or um, different techniques and just, um, I was so excited to, 
to learn the whole suites and it was really nice it was really reassuring learning the programs I was like this is the direction that I want to go in and illustration felt more accessible to me and to other people as well I feel like we could get my points across more and people were getting and understanding my work more so illustration seemed a bit more of a natural route for me yeah yeah um I got into uh, doing the tutorials as well. Like yeah. I, I, I went traveling. I was in India and I filmed a lot of uh, footage while I was over there. Just me and my friends going around painting, and I wanted to put it together and you know put out a little like online video. And uh, so I taught myself how to use Premiere Pro yeah, and cool. After Effects, all just using the um, YouTube tutorials. And I was really like, when you open Premiere Pro, it's, it looks like a controls of an aeroplane or something and yeah so like, yeah this is a bit too much for yeah. me and um yeah really uh like just from doing tutorials i was like wow this is amazing like i'm um i can learn anything on here oh absolutely i i've had a few um i had a couple of work experience girls with me a couple of years ago and they were like do i have to get into the best uni to do this um i'm like university is not for everyone like jump on jump on youtube and start teaching yourself these things and see if you like it and uh, see where that takes you and I think that there's merit in going in routes that aren't formal you can sort of come up with uh, techniques that aren't traditional as well and you can take on your own aesthetics and try try new things so yeah just have a go yeah I find it really weird because my um my stepdad is a university professor yeah. like in the maths and he um with education things, he likes to see the, the numbers, I mean, sorry, the letters after people's names. You know, yeah, and, yeah. Um, and I'm thinking, gee, I just learned how to do all this stuff um, off a 13-year-old kid in China or something like <laughs> that. <laughs> but um, but it's, it's just about knowing the skills, isn't it? It's, um, Absolutely. It doesn't matter where you pick them up from. I mean, I've got a degree, but I call myself self-taught because like 98% of what the skills that I have that I make money with are self-taught, I believe. So I... Um, I'm a big believer in spreading that university is great for some people, you know, I think you have to gauge whether, um, whether that's for you. Yeah. So, um, so what got you into murals? I did a mural at university with a bunch of other students and it, the end product was horrendous. We all had completely different styles. There's about 14 of us on a small wall. Um, but I really like the process of it. I, I love being up a ladder. I love the sketching it up. I, I think when a mural, you know, when the image is so large, it's quite impactful. And I think I've got a bit of the bug. I, I want to go bigger and bigger. It's, you know, just, just the challenge of, you know, can I do 10 meters, 12 meters, 20 meters? It's um, just conquering that mountain, I think. I think super, super rewarding. Yeah. Yeah, so I've, I've been thinking the same. Like I've, you know, I've painted walls for twenty or so so years, but yeah. um, I'm starting to like think, oh, I really want to try and take on some big things and, and really go big because I see I see murals as being billboards for your art, really. Oh, absolutely. So um, you, know, you can tinker away in the studio and people see it if they come to the studio or if you have an exhibition or something like that. But um, murals are the, sort of a big advertisement for you. Yeah. So this is what I'm capable of. Do you want to hire me? Absolutely. Um, it's not like when you sell an artwork, it's lovely, but often people put it in their house or have it put away. But to put it in a space that, you know, maybe hundreds of people might see it a day and uh, you can affect their, their day a little bit, I think that's, that's a really rewarding part of it for me. And 
with walls, you know, the, the size of the walls, the limit. So, um, and there are plenty of big walls. So, yeah. <laughs> totally. So, um, have you got any desire to paint like canvases and like do smaller works for exhibitions or anything like that? Um, I've got a bunch of blank canvases sitting there at the moment. I, what really excites me is is walls, is maybe painting more on objects and. Uh, and different things. I think that I think it's more the site-specific part of walls as well. That the space that the walls in transforms the artwork a little bit, and it's almost like a given brief if you paint in a space because whether it's a rural area or an interior or whatever surrounding it, it changes the context of the work. So that's really exciting to me. It's almost a limitation in itself. You know, like I've got to paint this wall in this space. How can I better this space? How can I it in any way so yeah yeah so do you try to take um, cues from your surroundings to bring into your murals yeah I do I do for sure um, I always like probably the opposite of a graffiti mentality I always want to like aid the space I always wanted to um, got nothing against graffiti but um, I yeah I always want my work to benefit and complement a space yeah do you feel it's a um, like a good balance like being you know, a, a digital illustrator, which is like very small on screen, yeah, and then painting massive murals is like one extreme to the next. Yeah, you know? absolutely. I mean, one day you're up a massive scaffold, the next day you're in your pajamas on a computer. I both have definitely aided each other. I I do a digital mock-up of all my walls as well. Mm-hmm. Often, a lot of my walls are being for clients, so I do a digital illustration and then Photoshop it on the wall and show them what they're getting. And yeah, it's, I find all the work and the process has already been done for me at home with the digital illustration. And then I find it really calming and I, when I come to tackle the wall because all the decision making has been made for me already and I can just really relax and just do the technical side of things and just, just paint it. So um, yeah, I, I guess I work in quite a controlled manner and just always makes I always the end process is something that I always know how it's going to turn out and that's really reassuring for me yeah yeah I never know what I'm doing yeah. I'm, uh, <laughs> like I'm about I'm painting a 20 meter wall um, next week I'll leave tomorrow to go start it and I like I've got a rough idea yeah I've done lots and lots of drawings but yep. I'll, I'll, I don't know what, what's gonna come out like until I get there I got my colors chosen yeah you know, what I like <laughs> to work with anyway, but um, absolutely, yeah. So, do, do you use like the reference points and all that sort of stuff when you're painting? Yeah, I used to do the grid thing like the meter ruler, shuffle across, and then grid, but I was like, that was before I was going sort of bigger and bigger. And actually, I had a quick ch- uh, chat to Rome at a conference once, and he was like, Why does it have to be a grid? and I was like, Oh, yeah, uh, so yeah, I just do squiggle pattern. Photoshop the image over it, and I've found that's been really foolproof for mm. me at the moment. And uh, I don't have to, I can throw away the meter ruler. <laughs> yeah, I've spoken to a lot of people that um, use that method. It's yeah. like, oh, you know, because I've quizzed a few um, mural artists on the, the podcast, and um, you know, I've, I've never actually done that. Like, oh, really? Yeah, yeah, I think I've painted thousands and thousands <laughs> of walls, and I've just done the whole um, do a mark and then stand back and have a look. Like yeah, that'll do. Oh wow! And um, but, I'm, but I don't paint photorealistic, or I don't paint. Yep. Um, yeah, you know, I don't reference actual people or yep. anything like that. So if I'm painting a, 
at face, it's going to be like one of those guys I think, which is pretty, what it, you know, it's, it's flat colour and just get it shape up there, you know. But um, but if I was to paint like a female, like people said to me, why don't you paint females? It's like, yeah, because I, you know, I'll make them look pretty bad, you know. Like Picasso-esque results. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I got my rules with um, uh, you know, um, paintings of females. I think they've got yep. to you've got to show their beauty, you know. Yep. And uh, and I'm not the guy to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I almost envy yeah. that freestyle way of yeah. working, and I um, I've just I've just uh, set aside that thought and go. Yeah. I, I I like working in a calculated manner, and uh, I remember I, I went up to one of the girls in the studio and said, um, we're going to a mural festival, and I said, what are you painting tomorrow? And I had all my sketches out and all the grid marks. Mm. And she just goes, I've no idea. And I was like, I envy I envy that way of um, that way of thinking, the freeness of it. I think it's a very romantic style of painting, but um, I think we all work in our own ways, and we all come up with our own different results and that's the great thing of the art scene at the moment there's a lot of different styles yeah yeah I've noticed from um like collaborating with artists and especially like with, with doing this podcast I've mm-hmm. spoken to artists and then there's been a big gap in the afternoon and there's been a wall to paint or something like that and we'll go out and paint together and I've picked up tips from different people yeah. like um with uh Amok Island like I saw him using the string a lot to get perfect circles and, yeah, and yeah. perfect curves and everything. I've started implementing that into a bit of my work and then like also um, Brad Eastman uses a lot of tape and yep. he also uses string as well. He's got showed me these crazy techniques that he's got to get perfect circles and with a can of paint. And I've, I've, just from being around that I've always been it's like oh, it doesn't have to be perfect it is not but I've started implementing it into my artwork and it's um it's been really fun to play around with techniques from just learnt from chatting to people. Absolutely. I um, I think even, I think I can honestly say my career has progressed just from talking to more artists. When I when I first started out, the first couple of years was quite a, a solitary experience for me, but uh, I've met a lot more people in the industry and even if you get like one tip from every artist and uh, if it suits your practice, you take that on board and yeah, I, I just opening your eyes to new techniques, new things. Uh, someone at my studio is running with a pencil, a watercolor pencil, and I like try this pencil. It's fantastic. It does these new things. So it just opens your eyes to new forms of creativity. Yeah, yeah, totally. So with um getting back to your uh, digital work, mm. like have you ever um, worked in any uh, like design studios or any anything like that as a uh, illustrator? No, never. Just no? from the, uh, the comfort my own home and I uh, just use a Cintiq and just yeah that, that's it that's been just lots of lots of repetition lots of uh, hard work yeah <laughs> yep. and so you've always been um, you know, full-time freelance ever since you graduated from uni no no I had a bit of a gap I worked in hospitality I had a couple of very minor shows in Melbourne and I, I even uh, studied makeup for a little while because I was like I have no idea how I'm gonna make a living as an artist and probably had a little freak out but it was probably I think it was about four years ago I just quit all my jobs cold turkey saved up a, a, a little bit of money and I said I'm just gonna put all my eggs in one basket and just do whatever I can to make this work and I've had enough work since yeah good on you yeah <laughs> yeah I um you know as I always say on this podcast I've procrastinated for years yep. and gave it gave it a good gave it a little nudge here and there but yep. it's only been this year that I've really 
dived in and I'm oh man, it's game changer. Changed my life. I just yeah. the feeling of jumping out of bed every morning to make something really original is fantastic and I feel so lucky because compared to some of my mates I know they aren't doing you know their desired jobs I never have that I can't wait to the weekend feeling to the point I don't really have weekends I'm sort of just working seven days a week on my art because it's that enjoyable so you don't set any boundaries for yourself like um you know like I, I try to not like once I get home I, I switch off from everything and and weekends or weekends so you don't do that I'm still trying to do that <laughs> I um not yet I I said I was going to take a month off all work and just relax and work on some personal pieces and that was February two years ago so um, I've just been receiving like some quite exciting projects and I just I haven't had the time to take it off I, I it's something I'm working towards having a bit more of a schedule for myself and uh, having some more downtime but at the moment the excitement is uh, is taking over of the jobs I've been getting so I'm kind of riding the wave at the moment maybe have a bit of a sleep next year yeah <laughs> Yeah, I, I personally I feel that um, boundaries are really important to set. Yeah. But fair enough, if, if cool projects are coming in, you really want to do them, go for it. But I think that whole like um, you can easily fall into the trap of working full time. Yeah. Like not full time, sorry, uh, um, seven days a week. Yeah. And um, yeah, I got I've fallen into that trap a bit myself when yep. I first started, and it's like I because I used to go work all week for other people yep. and then go to the studio on the weekends yep. then when I started um, working for myself I found that I was still going to the studio on the weekends and going hang on where's my weekend yeah you know. yep. yeah I'm not sure what that is at the moment yeah, yeah something I want to work towards maybe even have one day off a week that would be good yeah hey you, you will appreciate it like yep. go go sit on the beach and, <laughs> I don't know I'll probably take my books with me and start sketching yeah I need, I need definitely something I need to do yeah I, I think I think as far as drawing goes that's fine because it's like reading a book or something like yeah. that. Yeah. But I, I just mean like, especially away from the computer and for sure. things like that. For sure. Yeah. I um, was listening to one of you at the podcast and you were saying you are making some clay models and I was like, maybe I could take a break and do some clay stuff. And I'm like, is that still work? Is that relaxing? Um, yeah, it's skill building. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You're yep. not, you're not um, servicing a client. Yeah, for sure. For <laughs> sure. Yeah, just having a play. Yeah. When you the switch and became a full-time artist was it like a, um, a smooth transition or was, was there a, was it rocking it's pretty poor at start yeah um, I, I started doing my first job is uh, I did a, a wall in a bar in Smith Street and uh, my then boyfriend I asked if I could paint one of his walls and uh, by no means was it like an easy thing to do I had to convince him and all his partners that are <laughs> to attack his wall and uh, from there I started getting some poster work and it was more walls. People just came in and said, who did that? And that would lead to more walls and then people would come into their restaurant and bar and who did that wall? Uh, and then I, pretty much from then on, I've just been doing half digital work, half, half walls and both baited each other. And I both still really enjoy doing both. So, and yeah, your first couple of jobs, you know, for, for next to nothing and uh, <laughs> but uh, after a little bit of time uh, you know you get the confidence for you know to charge a little bit more you take on more skills and you sort of teach yourself the process of client work yeah 
So you've um, you've built your confidence up to be able to uh, you know realize that you've got to make it a living off off yep. your artwork and you've got to charge correct. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. It's weird at first, isn't it? Because it's like you feel like you're doing your hobby. It's like and, and then you and then the bills start rolling in and you go, hang on, I got to make a living off this. Yeah. For sure. And at the start. I had the, the mentality like, thank you for letting me paint your wall. <laughs> yeah, please, can I paint your wall? And then you, you realize it's a service. You know, you do need to, to uh, buy food and, and you know, enough money for rent and you have to make the minimum amount at least to support your lifestyle so you can keep painting. So yeah, that, that's definitely a process, but now I've, I've learned a hell of a lot since then and uh, I think I'm on a good trajectory. Yeah, good stuff. So you're um, you're managed by Eddie Zammett. Yeah. Do you do you feel that having a manager has really helped the, the professional side of your career? Oh, absolutely. He, uh, it's so lovely to have someone uh, deal with the business side of things, and having a manager is so good because after university, I think you don't get that much critique from your work. You get a feedback from clients, but these people often aren't in the art industry, and often you know you have your art mates and they. You know, they're your buddies. I always tell you your work's good and uh, super supportive and they see the blood, sweat and tears that go into your work. So maybe they don't always give the most honest feedback. But to have a manager that's constantly there, you know, giving you tips, just someone you can banter off. Because you know, as you would know, working as an artist can be quite a solitary experience. So to have someone there for you that you have a great working relationship is, is so beneficial. So has having a manager shape the type of jobs you've been getting? Yeah, it really has. Uh, we've had a discussion about what kind of jobs... Oh, we got some drinks. Oh, cool. <laughs> Thanks. Um, yeah, we had a discussion about what kinds of work I want to be getting. And I said, yeah, big murals and more illustration work and for the type of clients I want to be getting and what kind of ideas I want to push and what kind of techniques I, uh, I like to execute doing. And we've been out of a conversation. He's been able to follow follow those kind of jobs up and we're also a big believer in when it's quiet to you know approach people and clients about the kind of work I want to be getting and you know do some mock-ups and suggest to them you know this would look fantastic on you all how about it so we're a big big believer in you know always hustling and always always going for gold yeah yeah that's good to hear so you've um you were lucky enough to get a one of the art trends this year yeah yeah it was a, a big surprise actually and i'm super happy about it <laughs> yeah so you were wrapped when you uh, got the message through that you i read the email three times just to make sure i wasn't seeing things and i honestly did expect it so it was uh, really great yeah yeah that's no, really good to see it it's um the art trend still going on because like they, they started in about 87 and there's been like so many uh really well-known australian artists who have taken part in the art trend Absolutely. Yeah. It was a, a real win. It was, was on my bucket list as well. And to have my artwork on an iconic Melbourne symbol, like the tram was something I've always wanted to do. I'm a real Melbourne girl, so that was really nice. Yeah. It was weird because when I first saw the, um, they, sh they sent out that, you know, the winners, and mm. it just had like really small JPEGs of everything. You yeah. couldn't really see it. And it's like, oh, it looks all right. You know, I saw you were in there. It's like, oh, I got, got it. Because I know your style, I had a yeah. bit more of an idea on what yours would look like. Yeah. 
but I wasn't that impressed with a lot of it. But now, but now that I've seen like the videos and the, the art on the trams, I'm like, oh, they, those JPEGs they sent out didn't, <laughs> didn't do it justice. You know, absolutely. Oh, was, there's so much good artwork out. It's great, and to see them moving as well, in a, it, it in a way animates them. Uh, yeah, it was fantastic. Walking up to it in the depot, it was uh, it was super nice to mm. see, and it, it's it's the biggest dig digital piece that I've done so far. So that's something really nice to say. Yeah. Was it hard to work with the uh, the windows and doors and stuff like that? It wasn't too bad. I came up with my my concept for the tram and worked it around the the template. The uh, idea behind the tram was I picked ten significant tram stops. Uh, that I had my life in Melbourne. So for example, the tram stop that was out at the front of my first house in Melbourne, the tram stop out in front of my university. I went back to these tram stops and uh, went up to one of the travellers and asked if I could take their photo and illustrate them on the trams. So the, idea, the idea being that we're all different people with different backgrounds, with different days, but we all share the same, same network. So, you know, Melbourne being such a diverse, uh, multicultural city I think tram travelers you know emulate that and yeah that was my my idea behind the illustration yeah I think you, you handled it really well by cropping you know the, the bottom half of the heads off yeah I that's been sort of something I've been exploring lately the the crop faces and I think for the tram it was sort of signified that we only get a little glimpse of people on the tram. You know, you get sort of like a little snapshot. You might look at other people on the tram and try and sort of figure out what their day is like or what they're doing, but there's still mystery to it. So I wanted to add a bit of mystery to the faces. Cool. So have you, um, have you seen it like you know, running on the tram lines and that would like by, like by mistake or have you sort of tracked it down and chased I, it? I tracked, I've chased it twice and it took some cool photos of it in front of Fed Square. And the other day coming uh, into Melbourne, we just uh, just passed it, so that that was super nice. The uh, the uh, the wind passing, but all my mates have been taking like really bad photos of it, and I've been like like a photograph with like two centimeters of my yellow tram on it. So that's been super cute. So yeah. I'm stockpiling all those photos, and uh, hopefully hopefully come up something for my art book one day. <laughs> yeah, cool. An art book, eh? You got plans? Yeah, yeah. Always got plans. Yeah, yeah. yeah for my coffee table books, so always always thinking the big picture. <laughs> I guess everyone, every artist wants an artwork, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I think I think that's the dream to have such a rich body of work that you know you can make a coffee table book. So that's just the the silly back thought I've always got in the back of my head. Yeah, no, it's good. I've uh, I've actually made a few books myself, but yeah. they've always been like like shitty little ones and stuff <laughs> like that. I made I made a risograph book in when I was in Barcelona for oh, a, for a, a gallery over there, yep. and there was my, myself and Eggs and Nug yep. from um, Finland and Sweden. Fantastic. That um. But that, that that was the first like, official book I had yep. myself. But um, but yeah, I made a few others where I just hand, like I got blank books from um, paper companies. Yeah. You yep. know, and yeah, uh, working as a designer, you can ask for stock and all that type of stuff. Yeah. And um, yeah, I just filled them all with drawings and and pictures and made my own books. That's fantastic. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> like wrote on the spine and it's like book one and all this oh, that's stuff. Oh, super cute. Yeah. <laughs> well, hopefully one day you can compile all those and you yeah. can have like a Shepherd Fairy style like uh, doorstop of a book. Oh, so. yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I think I've got, I've got enough flicks already. Yeah. No, you, you've got a lot of, lot of work on your belt. Yeah. So, um, so with the tram, like you, you know, once again, you work with like a limited color palette. Yeah. Um, like, 
you really like working with only a few colours? Yeah, I, um, I'm trying to tame my artistic ADD, I call it. I, um, I know yourself, you, you've uh, touched on this a few times in your podcasts about the, the joy of having a, a limited palette. I think sometimes when you sit down and you've got endless choices that you seem to stick to the same, the same formulas and same, just the same things that you do all the time. And it was really interesting. I was uh, listening to um, a creative thinking audiobook, a bit of audiobook junkie, and uh, there was an experiment that they had on children saying that uh, there was a clock face and they've taken their the hands off and they asked the children what could you replace them with and the children all sort of came up with similar answers like pencils and sticks and... Uh, the same uh, answers kept coming up and up but then they limited the children they said you've got to replace the hands but with something green and children started getting really creative they said like asparagus spears or dinosaur ta tails and the the outcome was a lot more creative and really thinking outside the box and listening to that sort of just hit home and go maybe maybe I can push myself further when the decision making of, of colours and techniques is kind of taken out of the equation. So I found that be super, super beneficial. Cool. Like you, you work a lot with um, like yellow, red and blue. Mm. Do you just feel, do you just gravitate towards those colours or are you chosen them for a reason? I, I love yellow. For some reason I just uh, picked a whole lot of images that I really loved just from art books, from photos, and I kept picking yellow ones. I really gravitate towards yellow. Something very modern, very eye-catching about yellow, and not a lot of people use it. So I'm kind of been a bit of a yellow abuser lately. And I really like the use of primary colors. There's a lot of modern Japanese design that uses them as well, and a lot of, um, uh, in a lot of printing processes and things like that and I've gravitated to those those colors so it's it's kind of come from uh, like interests of mine and influences and I've just you know adapted them into my own work mm. and do you feel that sticking to the same colors um, sort of develops a style and like a brand for yourself so, Absolutely. You, so your art's instantly recognizable yeah it's something I'm really trying to work work towards it, earlier on in my career I was sort of bending over backwards you know doing realistic paintings doing really graphical work painting a boat you know I I think that you know I've become far more marketable having been hired for a style and a look that I'm known for and it speeds up the whole process as well like for you and for the client you both sort of know how to tackle tackle a piece yeah and with like with your work you focus mainly on portraits mm. are, you, are you drawn to portraits I kind of see them almost more uh, characters and character design because I'm often not depicting a certain person or trying to bring out the character traits of a person. It's more using a character to illustrate an idea or a feeling or something like that. And faces in paintings, people gravitate to them so much. Like People have come to recognize faces in you know in things that aren't faces you know there's those silly things like jesus and toast like we the face the figuration of the eyes and nose and mouth we it's an 
instant thing that we recognize and gravitate to. So, and a lot of the work that I, I gravitate to has a lot of character design and faces in it. So yeah, I think that's just a natural thing for me to do. Yeah. I used to do the same, like with buildings. I used to see faces in buildings all the time. Yeah, and yeah. Draw them, and draw them almost like they're monsters or something like that. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm a, everyone's like cutting half a capsicum or something, and you're like, hey, it looks like a face. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I think I think it's that thing. I gravitate to faces, and the work that I've done that includes faces and characters, people have had a great response from. Mm. Do, you, um, do you feel that... Uh, being a female artist, especially with mural artists, where there's a lot, a lot of males doing it, do you feel it's held you back or helped you in any way? Uh, like definitely not held me back at all. I I believe that um, at the moment there's like a lot of equal opportunity for both male and female artists, and both male and female muralists have been super super supportive. Um, you know, and I haven't felt held back at all. I feel that the, the female art scene in Australia is super exciting at the moment. I, I think muralists like Gemma O'Brien and Georgia Hill and George Rose and Goody are doing like some amazing work at the moment and they're really pushing the boundaries. They're doing like really big bold pieces as well and uh, like really decisive uh, works and uh, I think it's really exciting to be a female in the current, you know, Australian muralist scene at the moment. Yeah, yeah. There's been like, there's a lot of great work being done. It's, it's almost like there's this. Um, I've chatted to my wife Claire about it. It's yeah. like there's a, a feminist uprising at the moment. You know, there's like in all, all sorts of areas, especially areas that are quite male dominated. Absolutely. Like females are coming through, and they're like really holding it down and, and showing that they've got the skills. You know. And traditionally. Like it's a stereotype that females were supposed to paint very pretty things, very delicate, probably more realistic works. And it's really fantastic that a lot of the girls are doing the bold graphic pieces that are, um, are super striking. And it's funny, a few of the guys are doing the more realistic portraiture. So there's been a bit of a turn and it's nice to see what you would stereotypically expect of agendas kind of being swapped and interchanged so I think that's really exciting yeah yeah I, I, I agree I haven't thought about it like that yeah but, um, yeah yeah like I, I found like Georgia Hill's work to be really um, really solid and really striking absolutely know? and then but then you look at you know as you said with like a lot of other male artists like I've seen male artists you wouldn't be surprised if they were uh, females yeah, for sure. And I, I think it's nice at the moment, a lot of the mural scene, you can't tell whether it's a male or female that's done the piece. So uh, that's really great. And a lot of the, the artists that I've been following and that I uh, have gotten a lot of inspiration and I wore over are the girls. So I think that's great. Yeah. I went to that um, springtime show at Ruka Gallery last week. Yeah, yeah. Did you go there? I haven't been yet. No. Uh, it's still I, on? No, it, uh, I think it closed on the weekend. but um. They're busy painting. <laughs> yeah, that was really good. I um just walking around the gallery and I was like, I don't know how many artists were involved in the mm -hmm. show, but uh, there was just so much good work in there. Yeah. Like, wow, I was blown away. It's uh, great. I, I think the the current Australian illustration mural street art scene is really fantastic, and I it makes me want to push myself and go a lot harder and. And you develop because there's such great work out there. 
So I've heard you say that you uh, believe in perseverance and how you want to educate the next generation of artists. Like, in what, what way do you want to like, um, give back to them? I, I've been doing a few talks yeah. in schools lately. I yeah, as I said, uh, just went back and spoke to the girls at my old school and just reassured them to, to keep going. I think when I was at the school at least, I felt very much that people were divided into the talented ones and the not talented ones. So the talented ones should just go on the trajectory of following their talent. But if maybe someone who's not as far progressed as them, if that's something they really want to do, they're, dis they're discouraged from, from trying and pursuing it. I, I've told a story a couple of times, but um, I, I, one of my mates, he was a shocking painter. He wanted to be a really um, realistic portrait artist and uh, his poor oil, paint, oil paints were getting all muddy and uh, after two years he just wasn't getting any better and he was so frustrated and was pouring so much time and, and money into it and uh, I would never ever want to discourage anyone from you know following something they really want to do but after two years we were like oh gosh and uh, after one summer he had this amazing breakthrough he just got a, a ton of um, experience from a couple of ateliers and you know went online and asked around and the penny just dropped for him one day and he came back with these insane paintings and then it just made me realize that is there something is there such thing as as this so-called artistic talent or is it just a set of skills and a way of thinking and I really do believe you can push through it if that's something that you want to do and I, I think in school and in, in university that it's not not taught this this sort of mentality of pushing through and experimenting and, and finding your own voice. So through my works and through through my walls I really want to and then put the idea out there that you know perseverance perseverance does pay off and creativity is a valuable thing to pursue. Yeah. No, I agree. Like I, I think you can learn anything. And so like those people that cut you down yeah. at the time, it's just like, don't just push them aside and keep going. Because there's been, I've had a lot of passions in my life. Mm. Well, not a lot, but like, you know, like before I found art, I was addicted to skateboarding. Yeah. <laughs> addicted to it. And I have, like, I've got a twin brother. Yeah. And he was better at it than me. And he didn't even care about it. Yeah. He was like, ah, oh, you know, he, he gave it up <laughs> and all this sort of stuff. And he was naturally good at all types of sports and stuff. But I, st I soldiered on and I kept going and I ended up like, you know, getting, getting reasonably good. And then, um, and then it was the same with art. Then I got into like graffiti and art through graffiti. And all my friends were like, oh, you know, like, don't think you quite got it there, mate. You know? Yeah. And then through perseverance, just kept soldiering on and, and kept working at it. To, sure. to get to it and I think I think there's something to be said about like um, being told you're not good enough and going oh, I'm going to show you, you absolutely know, and, and soldiering on that it usually turns out the best best in that sort of field because uh, I think some people who have got it easier than natural ability they tend to sort of go oh, I don't really want to do this anymore absolutely and just fall off whereas if you put so much time into getting getting good at something you want to keep going. You want to go. No, I've got this far. I want to. Yeah, I think I can go even further. And you, you start setting. You know, you set your heights so far 
you achieve that and then it's like oh but what about these people i want to be as good as them you get to their level and then it's like well okay okay who's who's the next people and you just keep climbing that ladder it's it's leveling up a little bit you get a little mini adrenaline rush and i remember looking at some artists you know two five years ago and not knowing not knowing, having any clue about the way that they would go about their artworks and now I look back at them and I go oh yeah I can see how they did that and um, yeah that's happened quite a bit and it's it's funny how you say about not being told you're good enough I I went to uni with a, a mate and uh, lecturer told her that she was shocking at drawing hands she's like you just don't draw hands you're terrible at it and she pulled an all-nighter and did honestly about 16 paintings of hands and she just dropped them in front of the lecturer the next day and they were really good and they're like oh you should paint hands but uh she's, she's super competitive but uh i uh i i, I think sometimes the, the tough love can work <laughs> yeah yeah I, I i completely agree yeah so if, if a younger artist was wanting to develop a career similar to yours like what advice would you give them I would say if you want to be a comic book artist, start making comic books. If you want to be a muralist, start doing mini murals. Don't wait for that job. You should you know, make work and put it out there. And even before you think you're so-called ready, just start putting it on Instagram and on Facebook. You can always edit it later. I, I think just start doing it because someone will recognize the work and your skills will catch up And when you're when you're good enough and your work's out there, you can't go unnoticed. So I always just say, don't wait. Just, just, just start. Just pick up the pencil and do exactly the thing you want. And if you start something and it's not, not what you want to do or doesn't grab your attention, try something else. But when you, when you have that thing, I just, just do it. And just, just be ready for luck. Like when, when that client comes up, and ask you if you want to do a comic book or whatever for example if you've already done a ton of work in your personal time you've got the work to show them so i'm a big believer in being ready for the luck yeah because like i'm a firm believer in that saying it's like um you don't have to be great to start you have to start to be great absolutely i like that yeah, yeah big tattoo with that <laughs> <laughs> no that's great yeah because uh, you know it's it's as you were saying it's like you got to your first work isn't going to be your greatest work. No. And it, you get, it's going to take a while to build up your skills. So you just got to get started and get moving. Absolutely. Yeah. And you don't have to show people the works that you're not proud of. You can put them away. Exactly. <laughs> you know? exactly. you can create your own folio. It's just, I think a lot of artists as well sit down in their studios and they decide to be an artist and they put a lot of pressure on themselves. Like, whatever I do next has to be a masterpiece. So I think... I think you've got to succumb to a lot of a lot of time, a lot of trial and error, and just just the hard work, yeah. and a lot of short pencils. I always aim for a lot of short pencils. It means you're working hard. So. <laughs> cool. Um, like, did you have any mentors when you were like developing your style? Yeah, there was um, a guy. There's a guy called Bobby Chu. He uh, runs Schoolism online. He he's done a lot of character design for Pixar and Disney. His work's like different to what I'm doing now, but I, I did a lot of his online courses and he just has this fantastic attitude to art that hard work and common sense pays off. And I would listen to his YouTube videos all the time while I was teaching myself all my digital skills and I found him a real comfort. Um, 
to know that I was doing the right thing. He even spoke about, you know, charging, how to talk to clients, the whole process. So I learned so much of Bobby Chu. I'd really like to meet him one day. Yeah. <laughs> so it was, a, it was an online mentor? Completely online. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's like the, the, the age we live in. Absolutely. And that, that's why I tell people, like, don't, don't wait to meet people. Don't don't wait for these things to fall in your lap you know we've got so many amazing resources these days and a lot of resources are free as well so soak up all the information you can get cool and i know you said you got some projects that you can't mention but <laughs> do you have any um other projects that you can mention that you're working on at the moment uh i just want to get a few big walls uh between now and the end of the the year i've got a couple lined up but i can't say where so want to want to uh, pump out some really really big walls cool. so do you have any like um like creative goals or places you're trying to take your own apart from just doing big walls yeah i'm pretty excited to be painting on objects so i think the tram thing um has led me maybe to painting on different objects bigger objects maybe automobiles i, I like the excitement of painting on something else other than a canvas uh that and yeah it back to the big wall thing i uh I think after seeing the, the silo trail and things like that, it has really opened my eyes to you don't have to paint in a gallery and on a canvas uh, that you know can think outside the box and you know some artists are painting skate parks and uh, you know stairwells and different spaces. So I really want to explore the the trajectory of like uh, site specific work and things like that. Cool. And um. Like, where's the best place for people to view art online? Yeah, I'm getting a new website together very soon, but uh, it's be justinemcallister.com and I'm Justine McAllister on Instagram and Facebook. So nice and easy. Mm. And also, we're, um, we're sitting here at your bar, like, <laughs> getting a bit bit woozy. Yeah. Um, like, just... give, give your bar a plug. Like... Yeah, yeah. My husband and I have just opened Australia's first esports bar. In Australia and we're enjoying boozy bubble tea at the moment so um, it's been really nice to uh, stop uh, sanding floors and painting skirting boards that I've been doing for the last two months and uh, get back to the fun stuff so yeah <laughs> yeah so what, what's the name of the bar and where, where can people find it yeah it's GG easy it's 93 to 95 Queen Street uh, in the city in Melbourne cool all right Justine thanks for uh, taking the time to sit down and have a chat Thank you so much, Tom. It was a pleasure. No worries. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. To find out more about today's guest, go to benchtalkpodcast.com. There you'll find all previous episodes and images of the guest's artwork. Also, follow us on Instagram, bench underscore talk. There you can keep up to date with all things that are happening with the podcast. Bench Talk's also streaming on SoundCloud and Facebook. Just simply search for Bench Talk Podcast. Or you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. While you're there, don't forget to rate and review. It helps get the word out. And if you like the podcast, don't forget to tell a friend. Thanks again for tuning in and stay tuned for next week's episode. Bye.